Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Awesome. You know, I I have a four-year-old daughter, and she's obsessed with dinosaurs right now. It's amazing. She runs around and wants me to chase her and pretend to pretend to be dinosaur with her. And so she's obsessed with coloring pictures. And while I'm at work, she's always like, Mom, 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 I want to color Dad a picture. And so I, I come home, and I, I open the door, and she's like, Dad, I colored you a picture. It's a T-Rex. It's the king of the dinosaurs. It's strong like you. I'm like, yeah. Come on. And I was, it's so funny. It's like dinosaur, dinosaur, dinosaur. And I was thinking about it today, or this week, and I just stopped and looked at the picture. And I was like, my daughter is four. I go to work. I make money in order for us to have the resources to buy the coloring stuff. Annie goes to the store, buys the coloring stuff. Annie taught her how to color. The fact that she's even here is a testament of Annie and I's marriage. So she's here out of the overflow of love. The very resources she has comes from us. The very skills she has was taught by us. But I'm not thinking about any of that when, she, when I open the door and she comes running with a picture of a dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like that's, what, that's how the Lord views worship. Like the fact that we're here is a result of the love of the Trinity. The fact that we can breathe is a result of his resources. The fact that I can even have the cognitive ability to think is a result of him. The fact that I, I'm here literally is a gift from him. But I, I, I just got that picture this week of that's what worship is. The Lord doesn't look at that, all those pieces. What he sees is a kid running to his father and saying, you're the king of the dinosaur. Like, just like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what worship is. And so it's such a privilege to be able to worship and to be aware that every single thing that we have is a perfect gift from a perfect father. Does it make sense? Like, that just wrecked me. Having kids, people are like, oh, you're going to learn so much. I'm telling you what, it, it'll wreck you. Um, well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Um, Roy sends his love and his greetings. He said he can't wait to be back next week to preach. Um, he's on one of his annual hunting trips. Um, if you really want to annoy him, just tell him if he caught any gear. Uh, if you ask him if he catched any deer. <laughs> if you're a hunter... You hear it all the time, and it drives you nuts. Hey, did you catch anything? Not really the goal. I want that thing on my table. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to say, um, it, who wasn't here last week? Anybody? All right, care team, we need photo IDs. <laughs> Make sure they tithe this week. Um, if you missed last week, please go back and listen to it. It was such a powerful powerful word. Roy preached out of Daniel. And it, it, man, I've been stewing on all week. 
He talked about how when they, Daniel and his friends were captured by the Babylonian king and entered into his service, that Daniel decided not to eat the king's choice food and wine. He said, and Daniel chose not to defile himself. And then after the 10-day test, it said that the chief um, that was training all of them saw how much healthier they were, and he took away the choice food and the wine from everyone else. And really just unpacked how one man's decision not to defile himself actually took away other people's choice that would come after him. And that wrecked me as a dad. That wrecked me this week. That I, as a dad, can actually win battles in my own life that my kids won't even know exist. One man's decision to set himself apart before the Lord can actually affect an entire family line. One mother getting alone on her knees can actually change the trajectory of a family line. Isn't that amazing? Like, what an honor. Like, that applies to finances. That you, you can get alone with the Lord with your finances, and your kids can grow up and not have to walk and fight battles that you did. That can grow up. That can, obviously, that applies to sin, and you can win battles and walk in purity, but it applies to so many other areas. That you can grow up and be a man of peace that loves his wife. And you can model what it means to be a husband and to be a father. And your kids are watching and learning, and they're going to become what they see. So one decision of you getting alone can actually change your kids' lives. Isn't that amazing? It's such an honor. Roy did a lot better job preaching it, but go back and listen to it. It's online. It's amazing. Um, I also want to say hey uh, to our Ringe campus. Um, I love outreach. We're amazing. Most churches start a campus 30 minutes away. We're like, we'll raise you one. We're going to go eight states and like 16 hours. But it's, it's an amazing place. Uh, they're, they're live streaming with, with us today. Um, so when, when Roy's not up there or Pastor Bob isn't speaking up there, they got this massive 22 by like 12 foot screen that they're able to join us. And so they say the screen adds like 15 pounds. I'm hoping it's muscle. <laughs> That'd be nice. Be about 6'1", 6'2", 15 pounds more muscle, have a nice deep voice. Uh, Ranj, I guess I'm just trying to be like Max Geesey, but maybe one day. Um, but yeah, I just want to say welcome, Ranj. And I, I was talking to Andrew. You guys just get enjoy. I'm going to talk to them for a second. But uh, I was talking to Andrew, um, their prayer leader this week. And I just want to encourage you guys at Ringe, come forward, and you guys too, like come forward at the end of service. Like I get to lead the prayer team here, Andrew leads it up there. It's amazing. It says that the Lord gives grace to the humble. So there's actually something that happens when you say, you know what, I'm going to actually share what's going on, humble myself and ask for prayer. It says that he gives grace, which is the empowering presence of God. The empowering presence of God comes when you come forward for prayer and say, hey, this is what we're going through. Like, would you stand with us? 
We've all been there. It's not embarrassing. Like, I've, I've come up for prayer so many Sundays, and I leave changed. We have so many testimonies of people walking away physically healed, emotionally restored, relationships redeemed. It's like, don't miss a moment. God empowers you when you say yes and you ask for help. Make sense? Awesome. Um, well, I'm going to preach on Jonah today. Just kidding. If you weren't here two weeks ago, you don't know that joke. No, I, uh, it was really fun to, to share two weeks ago, and then I've been preaching every, I looked back, it was like every 10 months, and so I was like, man, this is great, like I get to live 10 months of life, screw a couple stuff up, and then get to share about it, this is awesome, and then Roy's like, you want to preach next week? I'm like, I got to screw some stuff up real fast, <laughs> just kidding, but um, I do want, I do want to kind of continue um, that message of what I shared about Jonah, which is the fact that Jonah experienced a crazy, crazy mir- miracle after miracle after miracle. And when a city repented at his preaching, he actually got so angry. He said, Lord, it's better that I would be dead than for this to happen. And so I, I kind of unpacked, how do you go from seeing a whole city in overnight repent. Like the king got off his throne, ripped off his robe, got in um, sackcloth and ashes, and called an entire city to repent in one day. And Jonah was the mouthpiece of the Lord, and he saw that happen. But when he saw a city repent, he was so angry. And and I kind of unpacked how if you don't let what the Lord did in your life impact your heart, you can still be used by God, still see him use you in powerful ways, but you're gonna miss the whole point, which is knowing him. Yeah. And so I, I just shared like that. That's been my story for the last couple years of how I did the stuff. And there, there were areas in my life that, um, man, I was going after God with everything I had. And then there was areas that I was still believing lies about what the Lord said about me and about who I was. And so I could still do the stuff. I could still pray, still see people impacted because the Lord honors his word. It says that the word of the Lord will not return to him void. It will accomplish that which he sent it out to do. So you you can still be walking through something and pray. And the word, the Lord honors his word. So that's, that's good and bad. Like That's how you can see people, like ministers that have been living in sin, still move in power. Because it says the gifts of God are irrevocable. But, so I, I kind of want to just unpack more about that story of how the last two years, the Lord's kind of just been unearthing stuff in my life, and it's just been a, an amazing journey of transformation. And, like, we want, we want to make it so complicated like I do. Because when it's complicated, you can have excuses. For me, at least. It's like, oh, this, da-da-da-da-da, I don't, I don't understand this, I tried this. It did. But when it's simple and the equation is simple, you're responsible. And so I, I want to kind of unpack that. Um, so it says...
1 Peter 5.8, if you want to put that up, Mike. So, so many, so many times in life, like what would happen for me is that a situation would happen where I'd be walking through something and I live with me all the time. And so I, I always have this internal dialogue with myself. Like you just have this constant running dialogue that's happen, happening. And so many things that they would come up and I'd, I'd, I'd have a thought or I'd, I'd have this negative thought and then right behind that negative thought, its two best friends came running, shame and condemnation. Like you'd have this thought, and you'd be like, ah, and then right behind that, the enemy would just throw his two best friends, shame and condemnation, and it would just send you kind of down, and you'd get, feel like you're just spinning your wheels in your thought life, and that was me. And it says in Scripture, like, we need to be aware of what the enemy's doing. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit and be on alert because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that word adversary is actually really interesting. It's actually a word that in the Greek means a prosecuting attorney. And I think that's, that's what he is. It says he's the accuser of the brethren. Now what he does is He's constantly standing in the court and he's throwing accusations at you in your mind all day. It says, he, you could say, like, be of sober spirit. Our enemy, the accusing lawyer that's trying to win a case against you is constantly speaking lies, shame, condemnation, doubt, fear, insecurity. And he's just heaping thing after thing after thing after thing. And if you're not aware You, it can, you can let it run rampant in your life. And that, that's what I did. And so the last couple of years, the, the Lord's just been showing me, like, hey, David, these are areas in your life, Zach talked about it, like strongholds, that brick by brick by brick, year after year after year, I wasn't aware that I was building something, but something was happening because I wasn't taking a thought captive about myself or about other people or situations that I was in. So Day by day, brick by brick by brick, thought by thought by thought by thought by thought, year after year, all of a sudden, I had this area in my life that was a stronghold in my thought, and it actually became so normal in my life that I didn't know my thought life apart from it. Like, I started to process it with Annie, and she'd be like, so, like, how often does that happen? I, I never had stopped to really think about it. It becomes so normal. And I was like, oh, it happens probably a couple times a day, and then you're I started to be aware and to pay attention, and I didn't realize how often a negative thought pro um, process and pattern in my life was happening. Does it make sense? Like you, it becomes so normal that you become you almost become numb to the negative thought and the voice that's constantly trying to speak, and you, you've given it a place brick by brick by brick, and it's actually influencing every part of your life without you realizing it. That's what it was doing. It was impacting my marriage. It was impacting how I interacted with the people at work, how I viewed myself. Everything was being impacted because I had built a fortress and given something permission in my life to stay there. Not only permission, I had secured it. And I had reinforced it. It wasn't just this like, oh yeah, you can go hang out in the corner. I had built this thing, a fortress, 
and it had just happened over the course of my life. We've all been there. Yeah. Every single one of us. We've all allowed things and thought patterns in our life that if we're not careful, brick by brick, we build it a fortress. But the Lord's awesome. He's awesome, and he's so kind, and it says his kindness leads us to repentance. And so he's like, David, it's great. I got this little thing, and it's called the sword of the spirit. And it's really sharp. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it's going to divide soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and it's going to reveal the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Isn't it amazing? I always forget that last part, that it says that the word of the Lord will reveal the thoughts and intentions of your heart. He's like, okay, you built a stronghold. And he whips out the word. He whips it out through his written word, through community, through the spirit of God, through dreams, through visions. There's so many ways that the word of the Lord will come to you. And he's relentless with his word. And he just kept every day. And then I just started to be, to realize and to repent and be aware of, oh my goodness, Lord, I'm so sorry that this has been built in my life. And I went through this process where the Lord's like, it's okay. And he just, through small steps of obedience, began to break it down. And so that's what I, I talked a little bit about that last week. No matter how small it is, if you feel a nudge from the Lord, say yes. yes. Say yes to it. Say yes. He often doesn't come with a giant steamroller ready to bulldoze that thing. A lot of times it's small acts of obedience. Like you look at Gideon defeating an army. It was these small step after step after step after step of things that did not make sense to him. It didn't make sense at all. And then a small group of men defeated an army because they were obedient. So please, if the Lord is asking you to do something, say yes. No matter how small, how strange, how insignificant, how unrelated it seems to that stronghold or that thought in your life. Because that stronghold's actually like a giant tree that's been growing in your life. And the Lord might be, have you over here and say, hey, we're going to take care of this root. And even this root is 30 feet away from that tree. Yeah. We're actually going to starve this root of the nutrients that it needs. And that giant oak tree is going to fall. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, please... If he's asking you to do something. I was just talking to someone this morning. He said, hey, this, this thing, like you spoke something and I felt it move from here to here and now I feel like the Lord's asking me to do something and it seems so simple. I'm like, well, start there. When Jesus said, follow me to the disciples, he saw their whole journey in a moment. But it literally started with that movement right there. When he said, follow me, it literally, they literally had to pick up a leg and take a step. So if the Lord's asking you to do something, pick up your leg and say yes, no matter how small 
Even if you think you're heading in a weird direction, say yes to the Lord, and I promise you, he's going to tear down that stronghold. Does it make sense? Um, If you want to throw up James 4, 5 through 7. So this is kind of the journey that I've been on, and we, like I said earlier, we want it to be complicated, but the Lord has set up the kingdom based on principles. Like there's a king on the throne, and he rules with principles. Every king has principles that he uses to govern his kingdom, and the king of the universe has set up principles. One of the principles, it's sowing and reaping. Like, that's, that's been misused by the church a lot, but it doesn't matter. It's still a principle that has been set up by the king. And it says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, he shall reapeth. So if you don't like the fruit in your life, sow a different seed. If you don't like, like, there's one pastor who said, he was so simple. If you don't like the thoughts you're having, have a new thought. You're like, I like that. If you don't like the thoughts, try a different thought. Because you are where you are because of the thought patterns in your life. So if you don't like where you're, the results of your thoughts, try new thoughts. I recommend his. They're a lot higher and a lot better. That's a Bible verse. Um. But James 4, 5 through 7. So, um, that's the wrong one. Remix. Um, I'll read it to you. Somewhere in James, it says this. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't read James, James is my man. He's so awesome. He's like the most black and white, like no nonsense. He's like, don't be an idiot. Like that's James. He's awesome. Like Romans confuses me. James, like I get you, man. It's like, don't be an idiot. Just follow God. I'm like, I can do that. Uh, but in James, it says, he gives grace to the humble. So submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Okay, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he's going to flee. That's the formula. It's not complicated. But if you're like me, you focus a whole lot on that second part, resist the devil. Resist the devil. So it becomes this thing, every single time a thought comes, it's like, no, I bind you, no, no, and you just like... It's almost like these mosquitoes at a picnic and you're just like constantly doing this and you feel almost like a madman because you're just getting bombarded by thoughts. And so you're trying to resist the devil and that's part of the equation. But you're actually, if you're doing that, you're in a defensive position and the kingdom isn't defensive. It says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, violence but the violent lay hold of it by force. 
that the kingdom of heaven, you're not called to be on this reactionary process where you're just constantly afraid of where the enemy is going to come at you next. It says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent lay hold of it by force. That the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like it's here and it's coming and it's moving forward. So yes, we're supposed to, it says stand firm in your faith. Like we're supposed to stand firm. We're supposed to resist the devil. But that's secondary to the first part. And there's there things in my life that, if I'm being honest, the reason why I was so intense about like taking every thought captive, da 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 da, da is because it was actually rooted in fear, not out of love. Because if you, if you took everything away, and I was being really honest, I was doing all the stuff because I was actually afraid that what he was saying was true. Because I was actually doing all the stuff, and it looked right on the outside. But if you were to put my heart on the table, which the Lord did, <laughs> he was actually saying, like, hey, what you're doing is actually rooted in fear. Because you're actually afraid that what the accusing attorney is saying against you is actually true. So you're always going to respond to fear or to love. And sometimes the outward action can look the same. Like you can be responding in fear and doing something, or you can be responding in love. You can respond in a relationship out of fear, and you can be doing the stuff. You can be laying down your life for your wife, but it's actually rooted in fear because you're afraid that if you don't do the right stuff, like they might not respond the right way. And it's rooted in fear, not in love. Amen. But the action can look the same. But the Lord knows the heart. And so, <laughs> funny story. I came here, when I came here, I'll be honest, I was super intimidated by a lot of the men here. I'm curious, how many guys have or are currently or have ever done construction for a living? Raise your hands high and proud. All right, the rest of them are probably on a job site right now, but <laughs> at the old building, it was like every single person was incredibly good looking, tan, jacked, and they built construction, or they did construction. You had four-year-olds driving bobcats building, like, I'm like, come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got four-year-olds building skyscrapers, and I'm like, it's a hammer. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I'll just be honest. It, if you ever came to a church work day, you'll know what I mean. Yeah. You open the double doors of the old building, and it's like, I'm going to close that. It's just <laughs> like ants descending upon stuff. It, and I, I grew up doing like basic stuff. Like I need my way around tools, but then you get around guys that know what they're doing, and you're like, I remember I was working with Mutti, and he's like, oh, grab, da, 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 and he started speaking Chinese. I'm like, what tool is that? And I, I, but I, it was funny. I was working on my house. Um, we were remodeling our kitchen, and remodeling with toddlers is, anybody been there? Don't do it. You're foolish. We were foolish. And I was... I was trying to trim something out. That's construction talk for putting trim somewhere. 
And so I was trimming something out, and I was so frustrated. Like, no matter what I was doing, it was not working. And I was like, it's so simple. This and this are supposed to do this, but they're like this. And I, I just get like, <laughs> you know what, like, you don't take 30 seconds to calm down. You just work harder and faster. It's like, use a bigger hammer. Like, that's what I was doing. So I was like, Argh! and I would just cut it, and then it just got worse and worse and worse. And so I just got, I was so mad. I stuck something on the wall, and it looked so bad. I got so mad. I literally ripped it off the wall and threw it across the room and said things I had to repent for. And then I had this giant hole in the wall that I had to fix. And I was just like, what? It's, it's funny, but what was actually happening in that moment, I wasn't mad that my corners and my angles weren't perfect. I was actually really mad at myself because I thought I was supposed to be someone that I was well, I wasn't. And it actually, that moment, those stupid little corners actually were hitting an extreme insecurity that I had. Does it make sense? Like it was so simple, but this stupid little thing was actually, these corners were screaming at me in my internal dialogue. And they were screaming that you're not good enough, that you're never going to learn how to do this, that you're, you're never going to be who you want to be. And there's so many things in our life that on the outside where we blow up and we respond out of anger, out of defense, and it's, it's not the thing. It's what the thing's hitting inside of us that causes us to respond. It's not 245s. It's never 45s. It's like 39.782, and <laughs> it's not that, but it's not, it's not the corners. It's hitting something in you. Like, if Annie and I are talking, and if I, I like feel that like tension rising in me, it's not like what we're talking about. If you actually step back and look at it, it's actually an insecurity that's probably coming up. And I'm actually responding out of fear in that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's so like, parents, husbands, wives, friends, like, it's an amazing practice that I'm trying to learn. If you can step back, and if someone's responding, if you can take the five seconds and just ask the Lord, like, what's actually happening in this moment? Yeah. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better spouse. If you'll be a better friend. You'll be a better coworker. If you can take that moment and ask the Lord for his perspective of what's really happening in that moment. And so... All that to say, like that's what we do with the enemy when he comes and he, he, he accuses. We res we, it's so easy to respond in fear because we're afraid that what he's saying is actually true. So you can respond in fear. And we, we focus on that part. But the equation, we're putting the cart before the horse. The first part of that equation is actually submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. What does that mean? It means get alone with the Lord. Get alone with him and say, Father, I feel this 
This voice is saying this in my life. There's this emotion. There's this situation. And it's screaming for my attention. But Father, I'm choosing to get alone and I'm submitting it to you. And I'm saying that like it's real and it feels really intense. But I'm submitting it and I'm laying it at your feet. And I just, and you begin to thank the Lord. Like what we were talking about at the beginning. You say, Father, I thank you that even though this is happening, I'm feeling this, I'm thinking this, I don't like where this is headed, I thank you. And all of a sudden, you turn your attention to the Lord. You turn in the middle of that voice screaming at you. You turn your attention to the Lord. And you say, Father, I don't feel this, but I just thank you that you're forming me. I thank you that you're fashioning me. I thank you that I feel this, but your blood is speaking on the cross, and you put it on the mercy seat. And that my life, no matter how insecure I feel, no matter how afraid I feel, that your blood is speaking a higher word, and I thank you that you're, I'm being molded into this, in this moment. I'm being fashioned in this moment. And it says, like, give thanks and rejoice, basically, when life and situations are causing pressure, because pressure, whatever the progression is, but it produces character and hope and all that good stuff, but it starts with rejoicing because you know that that pressure, if you choose to turn to the Lord, is actually going to produce hope in the end. So in, in the middle of all this stuff, submit yourself to the Lord. Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Turn off the radio when you're driving even if you don't feel it, just turn your attention to the Lord. Carl Parkinson, he said this so many times. He said, and he modeled it. He said, set reminders in your phone. And he had reminders that would just go off consistently throughout the day. And I, I started doing that in different seasons. I'd set five, ten reminders in my phone. And every day at two o'clock, it'd pop up and just say, rejoice always, or something like that. And you're in the middle of working, and you're like, oh, I got a text. And you, you see a text that, it says, rejoice always. And you take five seconds. You're like, Father, thank you that you're forming me. I thank you that you're, you're doing an amazing work in my life. That, that you who started a good work, that you're faithful. That you're the author, the perfecter, the finisher of my faith. And you just set these reminders. You, you wake up in the morning and you turn your attention to the Lord. And then it says... It says in Romans, therefore I urge you, brethren, in view of the mercy of God, to present your body as a living and holy sacrifice, pleasing and acceptable to God. And this becomes your spiritual act of worship. Come on, it starts submitting yourself to God, starts in view of his mercy. Submitting yourself to the Lord, to, to his voice, starts when you submit to his mercy. His literal blood is sitting in heaven on the mercy seat. And the Father, the judge of the universe, is looking at the blood of his Son, crying out on your behalf. In view of what he did on the cross, in view of his mercy, that he became sin, 
who knew no sin, so that you right now could become the righteousness of God. In view of that, in view of everything he's done, that life transformation is available. With that perspective, you lay out your life before the Lord. And you present it. And he looks at that and he says, oh, that's holy. Oh, that's blameless. Oh, that's pleasing and acceptable to me. And that word acceptable means like well-pleasing. So when you, when, you, when you lay it out before the Lord, it says that right there, that's your spiritual act of worship. It's not complicated. We want to make it hard. You know, it's like those math problems in high school, the word problems that's like, Sally and Billy went to the grocery store and bought five oranges and seven apples and got on a train and went to Boston and Philadelphia. What's the circumference of a circle? Like, when you, when you strip away all the noise, all the words, it's a really, really simple equation. If you're feeling like you have these thoughts in your life that you know aren't from him, it's the adversary the accuser of the brethren that's trying to fight for your attention. Because if he can get your attention, he wins. If he can get your attention, if he can get your eyes off the Lord and get your perspective to go inward and to try to self-counsel and to try to just get focused on self or focused on, on the enemy. If he can get your eyes off the king, he wins. But it says in Scripture, if your eye becomes single, then your whole being is flooded with light. If your eye is single, if you don't allow that voice to have influence anymore, if you submit yourself to God, then your whole being becomes flooded with light. Does it make sense? Well, if you guys want to stand, I want to pray for us. When I was preparing, I felt this word, and it's it's simple, but it. I just felt like the Father. I just I'm real visual. I just like daydream all the time, and I just. I was sitting at my computer and I, I just started daydreaming about that story of the prodigal son. And I, I just, in, in my heart, I, I felt, it was almost like a scream that I felt like the Lord said, I'm waiting. And you could, you could hear it two ways. You could hear it as an impatient father that's saying like, I'm waiting, like, or you could hear it as the voice of the perfect father That's saying like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. The father that was standing literally on the edge of the balcony every day, looking at the horizon to see if that son would respond and change the way that he was thinking and submit himself to God. And so I I just felt the Lord's invitation saying like, he's waiting and he's incredibly patient, but he's waiting for you today. He's waiting for you to bring that thing that if you were to say it out loud, 
you'd be afraid you needed to be locked up in jail. Come on, we've all had those thoughts that if, if it was broadcast to the world, we, we should be locked up in jail. Like, it's the enemy. He's been putting the same thoughts in every sem- single human since his existence. He doesn't have new cards. He's got the same cards, and he presents them to every, everyone. And he tries to tell you that you're the only person that thinks that thought. Come on, it says in Scripture, Jesus was tempted in every way. Every means every. But he didn't sin. Come on, Jesus can relate. He knows, but he stood there in the, in the face of the accuser of the brethren. And he didn't let that voice triumph the voice of his father that was said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so so today I I just want to pray that over us, that we would hear the voice of the father that split the the skies and descended upon his son. If you want to open up your hands, I want to pray. That the voice of the father would come. Ringe, if you want to open up your hands too. That the voice of the Father would come and you would hear him say right now, this is my son, this is my daughter, with whom I am well pleased. Come on, I just want to take a moment. It says that the just shall live by faith. And it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Come on, it brings the Lord so much joy and delight when in the middle of accusation, in the middle of shame, in the middle of condemnation, when you choose faith that says, Father, I thank you for what you're doing. He says that's pleasing to him. So Father, may may we be a people that bring your heart immense joy and pleasure. We just commit to you right now that we'll say yes to whatever the next step of following you looks like. Holy Spirit, would you speak? What's the next step? Come on, whatever the Lord brought up, do it today. Don't wait. Yeah, this verse popped up. It says in... In Hebrews, it talks about, in view of God's mercy, like don't, don't fall short of the grace of God and be aware of a root of bitterness. And I just felt like the, the Lord is, like don't allow a root of bitterness to grow in your heart. Like if you feel it, get alone with the Lord and ask him to transform you. If you read the rest of that verse, it it says, and by that root of bitterness, many will be defiled. Like if you allow it to, whatever you allow to grow in your life will influence others. To get alone with the Lord and surrender and to say, Father, I submit to you 
And I thank you that as I submit, I'm going to resist the devil and he'll flee. And that word flee actually means to run in stark terror. That when the enemy sees you submitting yourself to God, he runs in stark terror. So Father, I ask that voices and enemies in every person's life in this room would start running in stark terror as we submit to you. We love you so much. It's such an honor to say yes to you. It's an honor to follow you. We thank you for this process. We thank you for the journey. We love you. We love your leadership and your influence in our life. Have your way. Amen.